0: hello and welcome to the fizzle show what is up what is going on hello how are you let's splash a little cold water on your face come on let's talk about your business let's get your life in order what's going on what are you working towards what are you building towards gosh darn it is there a lot of things to buy out there waiting for you to just give your money to them and then you get it and it's probably some junk or something you didn't really need and then you don't have that money anymore and now you're like god I gotta go make some money right and then you're like I wanna go buy that thing. And then I'm just like, I work, just so everybody knows here, I review products professionally for a living on YouTube after being an entrepreneur for several years. And like, the amount of things people are spending money on is ridiculous. It's crazy. It's amazing. <laughs> it's funding so many independent businesses, it's funding so many independent businesses. And you can be starting your own independent business. That other people waste their money on your stuff. (laughs) Of course, that's not the goal. (laughs) Commerce, baby. (laughs) Commerce, baby. Of course, the goal is you make something that is a meaningful product that solves a meaningful problem, right? And that other people have an experience with it and go, dang, I'm so glad this exists. I'm so glad somebody that cares enough to, to solve this problem did it in a way that it's actually... Not just a bauble, not just a piece of bullcrap, you know? Uh, that's, my, that's my favorite thing, is when I get a course or a book, listen to an episode of a podcast that I've never heard of before, watch someone's YouTube channel, and I get an experience of, of something that is somewhat, I don't know, it's delightful, it's, it's useful, it's entertaining, it's, uh, it's relevant, it's right now. Right, I see a lot of businesses being being uh, 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 like suspended and and held up by an audience who's who's just stoked. They're getting something solid from somebody. <laughs> it seems like there's so much of the world that just isn't solid. So, anyways, I want to splash a little cold water on your face and go, "Hey, what's up? Wake up! What are you doing? What are you working towards? Are you sleeping on your goals?" Are you sleeping on what you're trying to get done in your week or in your day? I know what it's like when you fall off that dang horse. Corbett, you know what it's like. Joined by Corbett Barr today. Say what's up, Corbett Barr. Hey, guys. Happy to be here. You know what it's like to fall off the horse, right, Corbett? Mm, yeah yeah i fall off the horse every <laughs> well, now and God, then you had to think about that a bit <laughs> you're like well i mean maybe i don't know i'm mostly just on the horse <laughs> is that what you feel like well, i was thinking about actually riding horses physically riding horses which i haven't done in a very long time <laughs> you're right i did say horse i'm also joined by aiden fish by an aiden say what's up hey what's up guys hey have you ever fallen off the, the horse aiden have you ever like had no, to, like but... pick yourself back up off of a, like, a little horse horse
1: Yes, yes. So, so once, um, yeah. I born and bred in Arizona. There's a lot of, lot of desert. Lot of horsing.
0: Wow, a lot um, of desert. Lot of horsing. A, lot of horsing a Lot of A Lot of horsing around. Yeah. Hey, I'm yeah. Uh, Aiden Fishbine, just over here in Arizona, just horsing around, just horsing uh, around, you know. And we're yeah, joined. The scary thing. We're joined with that with a special guest today. I'll, let's get into the episode because we've got some interesting stuff to talk about today. Quinn Amorum is a has been selling things online for a very long time starting in in a lot of of uh like in an internet that most of us can't really rem- like remember or imagine even right before there were like tools that would you could just like quickly like set up a website or put things together it was like Quinn am i right that some of the first things you sold you did through eBay that's correct, yes. Okay, so like this is like, there wasn't anything else, was there? It was just eBay back then.
2: There was nothing else, no tools, no automation. No gurus to Oops. teach, no courses, nothing. <laughs> yeah,
0: man, yeah. I love it. Okay, so what I want to get into and in, today, what, we're, what reason why Quinn's here is is because he has this great experience online. He's been selling uh, directly to consumers, sometimes creating his own products and like manufacturing them overseas, and bringing them in, and other times selling stuff white label or private labeling on Amazon, doing all sorts of different stuff. So I'm curious to hear about Quinn's business models that he's used in the past. I'm curious to hear Quinn about how you got started and 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 the difference between uh like you know what you were doing then and then what you learned and what you're doing now and that kind of stuff but first of all I think I'd like to just hand it off to Aiden and say Aiden why are we talking to Quinn today why did you go like oh my god we've got to get this guy on the fizzle show yeah
1: so what's interesting over the last couple of months we've done kind of a lot of uh it's interesting I, I being a fizzle show listener for such a long time um, there's A couple topics that I don't think were ever really covered in depth, Mm. Um, and those kinds of things were, you know, what about the side hustle that you just barely care about that can fund your dream business, and what about, um, what about these residual incomes that everybody seems to be making, like lots and lots and lots of money from, you know, Mm -hmm. um, and is there a way to use and just you know learn a little bit more so you can vet for yourself if these things are the be all end alls if these things are something you really 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 enjoy and you want to actually build your business around because you love the model and it makes sense to you or is this a really incredible way to supplement um your foundation and extend your runway Mm. um so i mean selling online is is the tool that we all need um but there are some very very specific examples and um yeah I, i figured you know what what better example of a of of this than a guy that's been doing it for a long time to see the whole evolution. So that's uh that's what piqued my interest.
0: Okay, I like it. Now with these you, I heard you say uh two things Aiden. What about the side hustle that you barely care, care about that can float your dream biz first of all, which I think is a great great topic of conversation, very interesting. There's there's a lot of people who are thinking like that. There's a lot of people right. who are thinking like the creative sort of like it's almost like it's a it's like I I I'm I fall into this boat where I'm like I actually, I'd like to be an artist or a performer of some kind, but I need to make money. So I need to turn that performance into a business of some kind. And I'm like, well, teaching, if you can make teaching entertaining, then you're performing, but they're buying like, they're buying like how to, how to, you know, I don't know, clean a toilet drain or something like that. They're buying something specific. So I oftentimes go into that realm of, being a creative and be doing something authentic and crazy and, and interesting and, and you and really getting that sold. But this other thing where you're just like, no, it's like a business that just people are online looking for things like this to buy and I put this out there and they're finding it and they're buying it and I don't care. It's not like my life passion or my life dream, but it's funding so much in my life. So I'm hearing that mm. first, which I just think people out there, if you don't know about how to tell the difference between those two, you're going to see that a lot as you do your business business. You're going to see these opportunities come up a lot for you to either care and be like, how do I get my voice in here? Or to to go like, how do I distance myself from this, make this thing just work on its own? So I loved that distinction, Aiden. And then also this idea of I, I want to I hear a little bit more from you about like what are these re- residual, I think you said like residual sales tools or different like m- business models that people are using to th- that are working that you haven't heard a lot on, on, on the Fizzle right. show. What, what's, can you give me a little more specifics?
1: Well, I think that's what, what Quinn's here to do is he's, he's got a very, very specific model. Um, and, and actually, two, um, right, Quinn, you've got, um, kind of a consulting or an agency arm, service related for people who are selling on Amazon that want to boost their sales, um, as well as uh, you do a lot of it yourself. So I'm really excited to hear about both of those things as they pertain to, uh, yeah, ideas for our audience.
0: Okay, so we're so is that correct, Quinn? You've got an agency arm that helps people like sell more of their products on Amazon, as well as you your own c- company where you're you're making products that you're selling on Amazon and things like that.
2: That's correct. Yes. Okay. So I do help people in uh, Amazon only. I I did start originally with uh, helping people with e-commerce in general, but I decided to just stay with focus with one niche. And I'm uh, I do my own sales on everywhere, but I, I help customers only on Amazon.
0: Okay, okay, awesome. And then and so like, let's can we get into your story, Quinn? Can we like go back to the beginning and and then <laughs> like chunk it down into like. Uh, I, I, just like, do you, when you look back, uh, you said you, on your website, it says you got started selling things in 1997, which is forever ago. Um, there like we were talking about, there weren't, you know, tools and gurus and all of these, you know, ebooks that you can you just get. <laughs> Let that, not that any of us are buying ebooks now, but you know, there's a lot of them. Um, the, the, if you, when you look back, do you see, uh, do you chunk up your history in, uh, and maybe specific, like delineations where you were living here at that time and then you moved over here or is it like this was like pre Amazon affiliate and this was like post Amazon affiliate. When you look back, I'm curious, do you, do you segment uh, your history when you look back on what you've been doing online?
2: Yes. Yes, I do. And it's not very, very detailed, but I do see, you know, the, the pain of starting up because It was like you mentioned. I think it was Aiden that mentioned the, the passion of it. The, it didn't start because I had this passion. Yeah, interesting. Uh, I, it, it was actually a, a need, uh, a need to party, because I was living in Europe, right? So I, <laughs> I, I just. <laughs>
3: let let me just just be honest i needed to party (laughs) that was perfect Uh, it came
0: from a deep-seated fundamental sort of bone marrow deep need to party my friends were going to Ibiza when they were taking all sorts of fun drugs i needed to get out there and do it i love that honesty there
2: yeah no it's absolutely true so we uh we <laughs> we've started every single day of the week and weekend wow and yeah and nine to five of course uh, living in Europe at the time in Portugal wasn't able to keep up with it
0: mm-hmm. uh
2: so I decided you know what can I do to supplement this and that's kind of how i started
3: so <laughs> just from a from a uh logistics standpoint um were you you were interested in supplementing so that you had more time to party or more money to party or oh, wow. what was the what was the the need behind it? Yeah, other, other people can probably relate even if they're not looking to party, but just yeah. needing more money or time or or whatever flexibility.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I, I had the time, uh, Colbert. Uh, just uh, it was the money I wanted to increase. Yeah.
3: Mm. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Cool. So, like, you couldn't keep up your friends were flying to interesting places and and living the high life, and and you wanted to keep up with that. Mm.
2: Yeah. There, there was not much flying uh, happening. We would drive everywhere because Europe is small. So, sure. like, twelve hour ride, we could go to Paris. Like hour and a half, we would be in Spain. Wow. You know, so it was basically a lot of driving and partying and yeah.
0: I love it. So, And you needed, like this is like, who out there doesn't resonate with the sense of like, I need to make more money. This job that I'm doing isn't cutting it. Like how do I supplement it? So were you just like looking for things to start doing on the side? Is that where this came from?
2: No, I actually wasn't looking, it happened. So I, yeah, I was uh, taking a break from work at nine to five. I would go outside to smoke, I smoked at the time. Mm -hmm. And I walked past this display on a a store window and had these handmade wooden statues. They're like carved. They're called black wood statues. And they're made, I think, in Morocco or something like that. And I I was like, this is so cool. They were really cool statues. Hmm. But, I mean, they were... Expensive for for me because like I said all my money was directed to do that parting thing. Mm-hmm. so but I mean I thought They are worth a lot more than they're uh, They're at right now So I know for sure there's people out there that have a ton of money that don't know these these statues exist and like if I If only there was a way that I could get them to see
1: this. Mm. Like this could be a lot of money, right? And
0: Mm.
1: yeah, because they're also probably. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt, but they're they're probably not like you walking past the store. They're on the other side of the world, right? Potentially, yeah. And even the store is hidden. Like I
2: saw it because I would I worked at Chrysler uh, nearby, so this was like kind of like walk outside and I would see it, but nobody else would. It was Mm. like a yeah, not a very populated area, mm. and they, so th- luckily it was. Um, you know, when eBay started, I think like two years before, it wasn't called eBay. It was like web auction or auction web, something oh, like that. It yeah, a, yeah. So they started growing and became. They started doing like millions of sales really quick, and within the first couple of years. They had like half a billion in sales, and mm-hmm. in 1997, they changed the name to eBay, and it wasn't in the news. Mm. Uh-huh. So, and when it was in the news, it's like this uh, this website. And at the time, I didn't even know many websites except like the ones that we would <laughs> dial up at night. <laughs> and <laughs> the only reason we had internet at the time, right? Yeah.
0: Okay. All right. And
2: uh, I heard of this auction it was auction only and uh yeah they just changed the name to ebay and they was doing i don't know like 500 million or whatever back back in the day that was a ton of money still is and so when i got um when i got a chance because you couldn't just jump on the computer every time hmm. because it was also the same line was used for the phone sure yeah yeah <laughs> right, so whenever the parents were uh, allow or whatever, I, w- I would just jump on it and go check out what that eBay was. Yeah, and uh, I and had to so use- did, And
0: that's where you put. Like, did you eventually put up those statues on eBay?
2: Yeah, I only had the picture of the statues, right? Because I couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't buy the statues up front. So, oh, this is yeah.
1: This is where the selling the picture
2: thing comes in, right?
1: Exactly. So
2: I invented a name, which today is called like drop shipping, right? Everybody knows drop shipping. Yeah. But at the time, because like there was no YouTube or nothing, and it was just me and a camera. It wasn't on. It wasn't even a smartphone. It was just like an actual camera. And I would take pictures at the store, go to eBay.com, which was in the U.S. and I think it was the only one available at the time. And I would upload them to eBay, and I would call it selling the picture because that's the only thing I owned was the picture.
1: And I would <laughs> right. sell those pictures,
2: and then and, you, yeah,
1: turn around, buy, uh, sell exactly. the picture, buy the product, then ship the product. Yes, that's yeah. exactly how it went. Or
3: it's <laughs> a great example to, of getting uh, a business off the ground without investing any money.
2: Yeah, low risk. Yeah. <laughs> there was there was no investment. There was. Uh, Literally no risk either, except a couple um, shipping charges, because I would have to go to the post office. And because every statue was different, one was heavier, one was bigger. The shipping charges to the U.S. would uh, be different Mm. from product to product. And eBay didn't have any software that would calculate the shipping fees at the time. Mm -hmm. It was a guess. Yep. So that was the only risk I had, but I mean, I I had them mark marked up a lot that it, it could cover that.
0: So when when this started, when you started doing this, did it did it like uh, did it just put a little bit of side change in your in your wallet, and it was useful, or was, did it at the time already start to feel like, oh, this is we're going to be we should do more of this.
2: <laughs> well, to be completely honest, it was more than I expected because. Mm-hmm. I was hoping, like, for a hundred bucks a month, right? Just sell a couple statues, make good fifty bucks on each, or something like that, and
0: yeah.
2: make an extra hundred bucks. Which at the time, uh, this there wasn't even euro back back then, but it would be equivalent. You know, a uh, hundred bucks would be equivalent to like eighty euros or something like mm-hmm. that. Although it was different currency, but a monthly salary at the time could be. 400 or 500, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. So yeah. that extra 100 buck would be like awesome. That's like
1: yeah. 25% of your income. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we ended up that sales were actually more than I expected. So I I could make in, in this now it kind of sounds like, sounds like a joke, but I could make an extra 200 bucks a month.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> but at the time,
2: I'm like, wow, that's just doubled my income, right? Yeah yeah so uh that's what kept me going, and now I started looking for new ways, and that's when I started enjoying it because mm. I'm still here, I didn't like it I enjoyed I didn't like the product or anything. I just liked the fact that it was so easy to take a picture of somebody else's products, and I was making money with from nothing
0: yeah right, right? yeah yeah what a fascinating a- example of of the kinds of things that the internet really enabled us to do right that we just couldn't do uh, before we we you had access to a global audience right it's not like right. you're even doing a bunch of work to To like, like people are just finding it on eBay, right? They're just like searching for a statue (laughs) or something, and and like that's coming up now. I wonder how different of a world it would be if you're that same guy with that same job, trying to supplement a little, get another hundred bucks a a month or something like that. Tries the same thing. I wonder if do you think do you think he that a person just like you trying that today the same way that you did? Do you think they'd be successful today, or is the, the market completely moved on?
2: It's, it is completely different. now. Nowadays, you would have to uh, deal with algorithms and SEO and each platform. And of course, who has the bigger marketing budget right now could beat you to the, the third page. Actually, you don't even need to be in the third page. If you're in the second, you're gone, right? Nobody sees you. Yeah,
0: mm-hmm. yeah. right. Yeah, that's such a fa- that's such yeah. a like a, a an honest take on the world today. Whoever has the biggest marketing budget wins. Is kind kind of like they can mm-hmm. just pay more than you and get seen more than you. But to make something seen a lot and is very different than to make it actually profitable, right? And that's something that a lot of people <laughs> learn over time when they go through <laughs> their seed capital and realize like, okay, well, we got to figure out a way to somehow make this profitable. So you got started in eBay selling. Other people's things, selling literally just a picture, and then doing the work to fulfill those orders. You're putting in another, uh, you're making more than you thought you were going to. You've got plenty of booze money. Right, you can get you yeah. can get the gin and tonic now in the <laughs> afternoon. You don't have to wait all the way till five. This is great. We're feeding the addictions. <laughs> this is good. <laughs> but, yeah, but the uh, the like so so that was that was like the pain of getting started, and, and it doesn't even sound like it was all that painful, was it?
2: It it was because okay. uh, that that was just the, the nice shiny part of it. What happened in reality was as soon as it started growing more and more. And at that time, there wasn't even feedback. Nobody could even give me feedback or anything. And so it's not like getting more and more feedback would help me. It was just that I, I, for whatever reason, maybe uh, eBay, I, it was nobody else was selling statues. Right. So it, it was like me. So if somebody typed in the word statue, it's not that I had SEO. I didn't even know what that meant, hmm. but they would kind of show me first. So I started getting more and more sales. Mm. now what happened was every single one of those statues was handmade so they were unique there was no two statues alike mm. so if I if I went to the store to buy statue X that's, that you bought and if I got there and it was not there mm.
1: now I had an issue
2: yeah. All right.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well put
1: <laughs> Yeah, so that that's definitely kind of the the dark side of trying to mitigate the risk by by pre-selling. And I think it's interesting. I'm I'm like able to pull these little threads out of this really what seems like a foreign ancient experience, right? Mm-hmm. But there's some common threads that are still I'm seeing as totally accurate and actionable today. Uh, which is that yeah, doing a pre-sale, uh, which means selling something before you haven't usually in this case uh, these days it's it's your own product uh, seeing who's interested but it's the same philosophy you are mitigating that risk but if somehow your product is different than what you said in your presale um as can happen with every product development you realize oops this is not this is not possible to do it the way i planned right, on building like, it right like like on kickstarter
3: days. right totally yeah mm-hmm.
1: Exactly, and back, what you're talking about is is literally you're selling the picture and it's still in a store that you do not own and it could possibly sell to somebody else physically um, from walking around it's uh it's an interesting trade-off you know you're mitigating some risk but you're assuming some other risk um, and it sounds like yeah that that pain point um, turned into uh, the problem of bespoke products right handmade stuff um, there was there was a little bit of a problem I remember reading a little bit about. Would you say this was the turning point from that to the beginning of private labeling?
2: Uh, Yes, kind of. There was still a stage in between because I I knew, okay, this is not scalable. If I only have one to sell, I can only sell one. Mm. So I was starting to look at um, ways to find um, things done in bulk, right? So I could scale and have a hundred of something to sell instead of just one. And meanwhile, uh, this uh, smartphone start coming out and Nokia was the biggest player ever. (laughs) Yeah. For for, for many years, Nokia was huge, uh, at least in Europe. And I figured uh, I would jump into the cell phone cases. And at this time, again, this was ahead of any competition or anything. But I started buying cell phone cases in bulk, and now all the same, and I started selling them. And I did, for, for many years, sell these cell phone cases uh, in in many countries, because meanwhile, then eBay was not just in the States. They opened in Spain, and the UK, and in Portugal, they didn't have one. I don't know if they still, if they do now, but uh, they never did at the time. But what i didn't know was i didn't know anything about patents trademarks and and infringements and all of that and all these cases i was getting hundreds of them um uh, at one point well they were just um no name no nothing just whatever i didn't know about private label but then it got to a point when i wanted to start selling brand names and i got a shipment of head hardy phone cases Mm. So at the time Head Hardy, this is close to uh early two thousands and stuff Ed Head Hardy was huge. And um and
0: for people who don't know, Ed Hardy was like a brand that uh that had like yeah, it almost had like old tattoo looking graphics <laughs> on it and stuff like that. Am I right? Right,
3: right. And like that's yeah, right, yeah. Like, like ripped up t shirts, if I remember right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. They ended Can up buying bon- I would love to have a soundtrack to go with this whole conversation. We started in ninety seven yeah Maybe some third eye blind or <laughs> yeah, something oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> wish
0: you would jump back from that ledge, my friend like what else he like walks Alice past the store seeing the statue <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> right, okay, uh, so you were learning about privately le- or learning about these these infringements and copyrights were people were people reaching out and sending you some legal notice?
2: yeah, some cease and desist stuff from at uh, Hardy legal team and I didn't even know, uh, to be completely honest, I didn't know there was anything wrong uh, selling fake items because that's what they were, right? I I was getting them from China and it wasn't from Head Hardy. It was just maybe the same manufacturer where they got them made, where they were selling them to me. And so here's one I thought, okay, I need to make like the the Quinn um, cell phone cases, which... Uh, I never end up making uh, cell phone cases with my name or anything, <laughs> but this is where I start jumping into uh, getting things without without any name, right? Just um, blank, uh, no no con- no branding or whatsoever. So I could get the just so I could get the scale, and w- with that into by accident I start jumping into private labeling just. Creating my own logo, putting on it, and this was all it was. Kind of at first was just put a logo on any product that that I liked. It was right. I didn't look at demand or anything. Like I said, there was nobody to teach me anything. It was just me and, and right going with the flow. So today I don't do that. Today I look at demand first. I don't care what the product is. I look at the demand first, hmm. find the demand, find get the product, and then do uh, complement something that um, Chase mentioned, uh, mentioned earlier about uh, cheap products that don't have any use, right? Uh, we do find those and we fix the things that uh, people are complaining about. Oh, yeah. fascinating. Yeah, so I uh, there's software that can download all the reviews from a product on Amazon, let's say a competitor, and they have 5,000 reviews, I can download all of those, find the common keywords in all the one-star, two-star, three-star reviews, right, to see what was wrong with the product, fix that, and now I have the product that doesn't have that defect that all the other ones did, yeah. right, and, th- and now I, I, I launch it to Amazon, Uh, and hopefully it's a product that is solving somebody's problem. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's, that's fascinating. So that's something you're doing now. So going back into, into like, so I'm I'm hearing you start with like the, the statues. What I love about this story is that it's just so fly by the seat of your pants. It's so wild, wild west. It's like what the web was really like. It it's it, it it it's the early days of the web was really like this, and e-commerce was just starting to like figure itself out. <laughs> um, and as people were congregating online and looking for things and deciding, instead of like going around town to, from store to, store to store to store to store to look for some, you know, nice thing to put in my house, why don't I get something that's you know authentic, hand shucked statue and you're just looking on ebay and you find one <laughs> and in little they <laughs> know it's like just a picture that you took from a store nearby <laughs> you're fulfilling those orders you learn that you learn a lesson learned from there and then you go on to like let's get stuff in bulk which of the lesson in there was like oh you can get stuff in bulk that is like uh you know that can get you in a lot of legal hot water um and so you had to find your way sort of above board then is is the last one that you talked about the idea of of, can you just tell me really quick? Actually, what is private labeling? What what is this idea?
2: So private labeling is uh, basically getting your own label into an existing product. So you do not design the product. For most cases, you didn't invent it or anything like that. It's a let's say. You see that the spidget spinners come out and now they're uh, they're the next coolest thing. Of course, that's gone. But <laughs> what you can do is get your brand on it and you create your own fidget spinner. So you mm-hmm. contact the manufacturer in China and or wherever it is. It can be in the States, it can be in Canada, India, wherever. You contact the manufacturer, you tell them, do you want to do OEM or private label, mm. which means they're going to print, uh, make this product exactly the same that they were making it for um, whoever was the, the the original, make it for them. And then they stop that print and they make it with your logo, your name, and then you create your own packaging. So right. it's basically putting your brand On a product that already exists.
0: Right, right. Okay, got it. Got it. This makes sense. Now, um, I wanna, I wanna like from, from, well, hold on. Let's pause right there because I wanna hear what happens. Next, because when I'm connecting the dots to where you are now, it's like this industry of uh, of private label products, as well as helping others who have either their own private label products or some other kind of product that they're they're repping on Amazon. They're trying to get more sales of, and you have all of these tips and tricks and skills around increasing sales and stuff like that. So I want to start making the transition there. But first, this episode is brought to us. By a lovely sponsor, Corbett
3: Barr, who is bringing us the Fizzle Show today? Discover.Bot is an online community for bot creators built by Amazon Registry Services. And if you're a newcomer in this space, Discover.Bot will teach you everything there is to know about bots. Their Beginner's Guide to Bots will teach you how bots were invented, the basics of how bots work, what bots can do, and where bots are developed and published. They also regularly publish how-to guides and the latest bot building resources on topics like how to design a bot personality, how to set up payments through your bot, and how to stop shopping cart abandonment. You can learn more and get the beginner's guide to bots at discover.bot slash fizzle. That's discover.bot slash fizzle. And thanks to Amazon Registry Services and discover.bot for supporting The Fizzle Show and independent entrepreneurship. Oh,
0: booyah. Booyah. Kasha. Ooh. All right. So... Quinn, where are we going now? We're getting some hot water from Ed Hardy's legal team. We're like learning about maybe doing like like just all the ways that that uh, not being prepared can kind of get us uh i don't know it can cost us a lot of effort down the line it's funny it's like the same thing happened with the statues didn't it because you're you, you mm-hmm. you're selling these one off things you take a picture you'd sell it you go back to the store and that specific one is gone and now you've got it like all of these you've got to like go make it right with the customer right with the person who bought it and then the same thing, similar similar kind of like, oh, I was selling this one thing, and then I learned like, oh, there's this complicated thing with the legal department. It sounds like you like were totally self-taught, totally no lessons, and you figure out your own way through things. Is that how you do your life, Quinn?
2: Well, it's not anymore, but it was up until a few years ago. It was just me trying to discover everything by myself. Yeah.
0: I love Actually, that. Yeah. I think that's, that's really inspiring. It's cool because I mean, you get the, you get the lesson. Yeah. You get the smack on the back of the head or, or the back of the hand, or you get like the, Ooh, ouch, a little, uh, and then, but then you correct. correct yeah. and you find your path. Yeah it's, a pain. yeah.
1: it's always, always the way it works, you know? And, and I think I'm really excited that it's the same learning process that we preach that I've gone through myself, which is just like so many people don't have the awareness when they have those little lessons, and they continue their same behavior and have to have that same circumstance hit four, five, six times before they change, right? Um, so it sounds like, you know, one slap on the wrist uh, was what it took, right?: mm. Yeah, so well, I don't know. Time, if,
2: <laughs> maybe not one. I don't but. Know said this. Uh, I think it was Bill Gates that said, "Success is a terrible teacher." And so I had the best teacher because it was uh, a ton of failures, one after the the other one. But uh, thankfully, there was the investment was minimal, so mm. there was not much to lose, right? So I would learn, carry on, and just try to figure out the next best way, yeah. right? Cool. And what's funny,
1: just real quick, the when we had Natalie Luthier on recently um, with Ally, she was talking about going out purposefully to build in a non-scalable way and then when you get that ceiling then you then you you pivot and, and you kind of take the next step and you build in, in the next levels non-perfectly scalable way um i don't know if you did that on purpose but um but yeah it, it seems to be kind of a thread that i'm i'm seeing in a lot of places do you was that on purpose or um or do you think you you kind of built just as your gut guided no it was not on purpose it was uh it was just
2: ignorance It
0: seems to have worked <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah i love
2: yeah, it yeah well you know why it worked it was not because i was smart it was because i was stubborn and mm-hmm. i so my it didn't allow me to quit i just kept going and going and ended up eventually ended up finding the right way and uh, it it works right but if i wasn't this stubborn i i would have quit many years ago
1: right Yeah, (laughs) Yeah.
3: (laughs) sometimes we're we're lucky because the way we were born, I guess, just, you know, being stubborn or or whatever it plays into your it's, it's a strength when you're trying to be an entrepreneur.
2: Absolutely. Yeah.
3: Okay, so what happened next? Can you
0: connect the dots to where you are right now?
2: Yeah, so going jumping from product to product, like I said, I was just picking products that I liked not anything that uh, luckily some the the demand was there because there's a lot of people like me that like the same things like pocket bikes the the mini dirt bikes and uh, crotch rockets and all that like gas powered 50 cc's i started getting uh, (laughs) uh, some loads of that and of course there was no no trademarks and copyrights in that so it was uh actually a the cool story was the first half secan was like, uh, it was not a full secan. It was just a part of a secan ship with those. Say that again. What's, C-
0: what's a Seacan? What, what do you mean?
2: Uh, those uh, containers. The containers. That, uh, okay, got it. Yeah. So you got a
0: half a container.
2: Yeah, it was just a partial container. Okay. With those, what we call the pocket rockets, okay. the, the little motorcycles,
0: uh-huh.
2: and the first one never made it. To my online world, uh, every single one ended up selling in person to people that saw them that same day. So I, when you were <laughs> unloading,
0: <is> yes, yes. <laughs> How many? How many of these little pocket rockets?
2: Oh man, I, I can't remember exact number, but uh, it was like uh, double digits. Okay, wow. wow. Yeah, and every single one. It was a matter of day, and not only that, but there was like two people that still wanted some that didn't have them because I kept two for myself. I kept a little dirt bike and a cross rocket.
3: Your town must have loved you wherever you lived at the time.
2: <laughs> yes, this was in Canada already. This was yeah. Oh, nice.
0: That's funny. Yeah, so- okay, well, it reminds me of right now what's going on with electric skateboards. I mean, mm. I mean that's like the product of right now. That's like the pocket rocket in that like people are really finding them useful. And then there's a bunch of brands that are just exploding, and most of them are just white like you know white labeling, private labeling stuff from there you know it's a it's and and you can tell you can really get it and you can get like you get a good d- deal on a skateboard that's like pretty good if you, if you like do enough research online to find the reviewers who are going like all right here's the deal i got all these skateboards here's the thing to know i think this is the best discount or, or best deal right now and you know, sometimes this this private labeling thing means the consumer gets something that's like pretty good for uh, an affordable price. Like at, at the best case scenario, that's that's kind of nice. So, what happened after the pocket rockets? You started. I mean, the pocket going from like you know wooden hand shucked uh, statues mm-hmm. to the pocket rockets is like is like a, a a a big leap. Where did you go? Did you make a similar big leap after that?
2: I ended up making another big leap, which was uh, a very dangerous move, too, which mm. uh, I know now. It was, I jumped into the food category.
0: Mm.
2: Yeah, yeah, so jumping into food category, which is a very uh, a very good place to be if you're selling on Amazon. For example, it's called the, uh, gro- the food and grocery category.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: But... Uh, when you get into stuff that goes in or on the human's body, mm. now you have to be very careful. It can't just, you can't just source from China and all that stuff, right? So
1: mm.
2: here I had to learn a ton of lessons, and uh, luckily, none of were.
3: Um, Nobody died. <laughs> exactly, yeah.
2: yeah. <laughs> so... So uh, that part I did, I did very, very well. Just there was a lot of, you know, bureaucracy when uh, dealing with uh, the states, you're dealing with the FDA and then in Canada, there's a food inspection agency and then there's also uh, Canada Health. So you have to go through all of those Mm. and I I couldn't handle the product myself because I didn't have the facilities, so I would have to get the product kind of vacuum sealed to be able to come to me so I could package it or vacuum sealed Mm. so I wasn't anyway that was very very time consuming and there's a lot of issues that uh, I kind of ended up skipping and jumping ahead to Mm. to the products that everybody can deal with and there's no issue of you know no smaller risks of being sued and all that stuff.
0: Yeah. So what, but, yeah. what, what did you get into after the food stuff? Uh, anything you can think of, just starting with
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> baby products, uh, you know, um, what do they call the swaddle, swaddle blankets to wrap the babies mm-hmm. in, It is is uh, a category that has so many sellers now mm-hmm. that it's, uh, today it's almost impossible to get into that. At the time, you could still dabble a bit in it, and I did make some mistakes there, too, which I ended up learning with my wife, uh, the the fact that I I had the biggest, best package design in anywhere you can think. Mm. I was so proud of that for these baby baby blankets. Nice. But I, I made one crucial mistake, so I did not ask the wife her opinion or anything. I figured I'm the expert. And that's, that's one of the reasons why now I, I love learning with others. I don't think I'm the best at anything, but I did for many, for many years because I I figured like I went through it. I I know it all. So I didn't ask her opinion. And reality is there's no uh, mother out there that wants to buy one swaddle blanket for a newborn, Mm -hmm. right? They, they get puked on every two hours, right? Right. So they want to buy packs of three and four at least. And I had—I was the only one that had a pack of one. Mm. The, the best packaging, the most beautiful packaging, <laughs> but one, <laughs> yes, and it was one. And I had to buy the rights to use the, this baby face, uh-huh. uh, somebody else's baby's face, which was um, a very pretty little baby with a smiling face. And I kind of shaped the box to be the baby's body. Mm. And the ba- the blanket the car- the box was see through, so it looked like the baby was wrapped in that. So the idea was fantastic, but yeah, yeah, yeah. quantity failed me, right?
0: Oh wow, yeah, yeah. that's and a, that's is, like a huge. That's a huge lesson learned, right there, right? I mean that that you go through the rest of your life probably not making that mistake, even in your own languages. You talked about it, you know, the difference between before you knew everything. And you didn't even ask your wife what she thought of the packaging and weren't even in conversations where that 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 realization could have potentially come up that women Mm -hmm. are buying these in packs of three and five, not in not in one. And that Mm -hmm. just living through that gave you the sort of Ph.D. in that particular thing. You won't make that same mistake again. I bet you haven't in many ways. Would you agree? I agree. So
2: that one was uh, never made again. Uh, there, I start bundling. I do bundles now. I do. Uh, I consult with with the wife, with uh, partners, with uh, masterminds that we all are a part of in, you know, Facebook groups and all that. Although most Amazon sellers don't like telling people what their products are, right? Right. Mm-hmm. They kind of
3: because keep that close to the vest, right?
2: Exactly. If they find out, okay, Quinn is a successful seller, that means he has done all the research about the products that he's selling. So if I tell somebody what my product is or the brand, all these uh, millions of sellers that exist now have an opportunity to jump on research that it was already done. Right. And, and they find the winning product. Just It's with, sort of
3: like uh, people with SEO or with um, uh, niche sites as well. So. Right. Quinn, I'm curious because um, I'd love to know if someone finds a hit product and they're selling it on Amazon or other platforms, what's the longevity of of one of those products? Because it sounds like there's this constant effort of going from, from one thing to the next. And I'm guessing that's exciting in some ways because you might stumble on something that becomes a massive hit. Uh, but maybe it'll only last six months or a year or something. It, are there cases where people have bread and butter that just works for five years or more? Or is it a kind of a, a constant effort of looking for the next hot thing?
1: Yeah, finding the wave and then riding the wave and then finding the wave. Yeah. Yeah, you used to be able to
2: ride it for for many years. And you still can depending on a few factors. One is the selling price of the product. If you're If you're looking at, uh, more expensive products, not every seller can afford to be your competitor. Oh, right. Uh, barrier to entry. Okay. Yeah. Be- because with Amazon, we do FBA, which means fulfilled by Amazon. For Amazon, fulfills my items. When you buy something on Amazon, they have my product in stock at their warehouses all over the States. So that means I have to have. Thousands of units all over the U.S. and I believe they have forty some different states that they're on, and I need to have product in all those states. So I have thousands of units out there that are already paid now. So by you exactly, there's a lot of cash flow that's sitting in Amazon's warehouse, and if we're talking about a product that's selling for let's say a hundred dollars, and it cost me thirty. Uh if you have a thousand units out there, you're talking about thirty grand, right? So not every new seller that wants to start a side hustle wants to risk thirty grand to to start with one product. Right. Right. So those those can last uh many years until um higher level competitors starts start jumping in. And every time competitor jumps into I don't know. Let's say uh, Bluetooth speakers, super, super competitive uh, mm. uh, niche or niche. But um, a Bluetooth headset, the wireless Bluetooth headset, the start when they start coming out at eighty dollars, you can find them now for twelve. Mm. Right? Yeah. The exact same ones because they cost two or three dollars to source in China. Mm. Mm-hmm. You put your logo on it, you get a packaging and stuff, you spend another 50 cents on packaging, then you ship it to the US. So now you have something that costs you four or five bucks. You, as a new seller, you don't know what your real profits and your, all your fees are. A lot of sellers don't know that. That's my biggest pet peeve. They now can start selling this product at $15 or 19 to 99 and they think they're making a insane amount of money when in reality they're kind of uh destroying all the markup that's out there for um for other sellers right so yeah, it's a really good thing as a buyer you want that because now you can buy instead of spending eighty dollars, you get the exact same set for for twelve or even nine ninety seven right but that happens, so it's a race to the bottom,
0: yeah, so this race and to the bottom thing is like it like you mentioned the coming in waves, it just makes me think of what has it what are, do you ever get to really relax in this kind of business? Yes,
2: and no, depending yeah. on the product, depending on the category, right, and how how set up organically you are, right? If you're on the first page for a certain product. Like we we mentioned at the beginning of the show, uh, whoever has the biggest marketing budget can stay there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So what happens is if you have the biggest marketing budget, you can kind of buy yourself to the first page. And now the first page awards you all these organic sales on top of the ones that you're buying. So the algorithm gives you the preference to stay on the first page. So it's a vicious circle. Yeah. So when I get to the first page, I get to stay there because I'm getting more sales than anybody else. Mm-hmm. And if you're getting more sales, Amazon keeps you on the first page because you're more relevant.
0: Yeah.
2: And plus they make 15% of the gross yeah. sales that I make. So it's in their interest to keep me there. Mm-hmm. So sure.
3: uh, I'm curious um, if there is like an ultimate target goal in this, in this ecosystem, uh, like in niche sites, people realized that just having a bunch of sort of faceless niche sites that were doing affiliate marketing um, wasn't super sustainable. So they would eventually start talking about becoming an authority site. So, for example, uh, Nerd Wallet is an example of a niche site done really well because they've become an authority on what credit cards you should get, and so it's it's brand. On Amazon, I see sometimes there are. Places uh, or there are brands now that seem like they started out maybe just sourcing stuff from China, but n- it looks like maybe they're designing their own things now, Who are and they're you trying specifically to, Corbett. Like, like one would be Tautronics. I don't okay. know if you're familiar with them. They make LED oh, yeah. lights and and things like that. Um, and there, there like are other anchor examples.
0: like A N K R. and yes, yes, ne- yes. Uh, Nex. Uh, I don't know. We used to we got a, we got a lot of these stands and and I right. just I've, I've noticed that some of these. Companies, you start seeing them again and again. It's almost like you're getting a brand recognition, but you know it's just cheap China, too.
3: <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's like, yeah, but I think some of them are evolving where they're de- designing their own packaging and and maybe maybe designing their own products as yeah, well.
0: Anchor, I've got an Anchor battery right here in my hands, and and their products have always been like in the last few years been, been good, been good, yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. And Taotronics is a very big one that. Uh, Uh, They were my competitor at one point and I ended up buying their product because it was they had it so cheap and I had that product in Canada uh, and not in the States or sorry the other way around I was selling in the States and not in Canada. So it was super expensive for me to get my own product
0: (laughs) (laughs) because I would have
2: to pay Amazon to ship it to Canada and all that stuff. Oh man, this
0: world sounds like it's just (laughs) so much to learn. Like one step, like it sounds like it's like so exciting. (laughs) To be like, I can just sell stuff online. This is amazing. I'm gonna get stuff for I'm gonna find something that's useful and meaningful. I'm gonna get it for cheap sourced in China. I'm gonna bring it out here. I'm gonna mark it up. I'm gonna partner with someone like Amazon so that I have the, you know, audience and distribution sort of built in. I'm gonna have some marketing budget so that I can afford to keep this thing as close to the front page as possible. I'm gonna, you know, hustle a bit to get reviews and to do whatever I need to do on there. (laughs) But the truth is, there's just like one thing after the other to learn. Is what it feels like. Like it's like, well, my product's only in Canada, and I can't get it in the U.S., or vice versa, or uh, we had a problem with this shipment, or X, Y, and Z. Have you been? Do you see yourself, Quinn, over the past you know decade or two, kind of you know just in that mode where you're putting out fires as you're starting up the next thing? You're kind of making sure that fire's out. Is it? Is it a lot of like of kind of tending to the things that need to be tended to? Uh,
2: yes, it wasn't for all all 20 of the years, all yeah. 20 years, because for the first 10, uh, I was not too, I don't know, too in love with the process, so it was not a huge deal, whatever happened, happened, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, it, of course, everything changed now, and I do put out a lot of fires, but I try now to do be super organized, so I do just-in-time learning where right. I I don't just go learn uh, email marketing just in case, right? If I need it, then I go learn it. Then I'm not going to learn something that I may only use two years from now or yeah.
1: so. Yeah, yeah.
2: So, but there's a lot of fires to put out, and I do. I do have a team of. Um, uh, up until yesterday, it was uh, three, but there's four now, and uh, so I do hire experts for do to do things that I don't have time to train myself to mm-hmm. to do,
0: mm-hmm.
2: or that's not going to be worth my time doing, and I get somebody else to do it. Mm-hmm. And uh, so th- that helps me a lot, not being just putting out fires all day, but okay. there's uh, there's lots of them to put out. Yeah.
0: Yeah. No, it seems like there's a like you're, you're what I love in this story, what's come on, out over the course of this interview is. Is for anybody who's listening, you're getting to hear like the education of a real entrepreneur and like not someone who like graduated from Wharton School of Business, but someone who got an idea on his smoke break. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Right. It's like, yeah. Literally, like, you know what would be cool if I could buy more gin and tonics <laughs> and if I could buy like, <laughs> if I could afford like the VIP table. But it's like, it's just basic it's regular social yeah. thinking and then, uh, and, and some creative stuff on the side to actually make it work and next thing you know you're selling pocket rockets right off the boat (laughs) (laughs) it's amazing but i love this perspective and the way your edges have been sort of worn off of you over time and how and you really it really all catalyzed in that word i like to stay organized you said it's almost like in the beginning, you were just going from thing to thing to thing and it, it it required, oh no, that thing that we just sold is now no longer at the store. All of a sudden, you know, you like, you talk about just in time learning, like you're just in time to write this person a customer support email. You know, it's like you're just kind of going from thing to thing to thing and over time, I I resonate with it so much over time. My own business has done the same thing where it's like I'm taking more seriously these systems and processes by which my work gets out into the world and is in front of people such that they can actually, you know, purchase something and, and I can make some money on it. And that kind of getting more, I almost want to use this word serious, but it's, it's, I, I prefer your word organized, just more organized, more conscientious about the whole thing. Knowing that if I do any, if I choose, I imagine that, you know, if you're going to choose any product, you're going to know a lot about that market before you get into that product willy nilly, right. you're going to think about you, a, a lot of things. What were you going to say? Yeah.
1: Aiden? I was just going to say, yeah, I, I think the, the organized kernel the seed has and maybe correct me if i'm wrong quinn but has that been the thing that changed your initial search and now you look for demand first and then uh and you go forwards that way um instead of kind of vice versa
2: yes that's correct so right now before i launch anything i know the market size I know the demand, I know how many units are being sold on Amazon per day, per month. Mm. I know how many units every competitor is selling. I know how much money they're making. Uh, So before I launch any product, I know every single number of what it's going to cost me, what it's costing my competitors, that uh, basically at this point, they're not competitors yet, but they're going to be as soon as my product is ready. And I know the defects of all my competitors' products, so mine, when it's ready, is not going to have those defects. Uh, so uh, to touch on what uh, Corbert said earlier, uh, building a brand is what I'm doing now. Sure, that's uh, long ago. So, exactly. I now care about customer service. Well, uh, at the beginning, I cared about making money for partying, right? Now, uh, I don't do the partying. I don't smoke anymore. It's kind of just this passion that I have for my brands. Because there's something something really fantastic that, that happened once. And uh, unfortunately, that, that was the one time. But is when you are out in the world randomly and you know that, for example, my brands are mine. I created them that nobody, right? Nobody else owns that name. So walking out in the world and you see somebody with a product that is yours, that you created, right? So that is, that was so shocking when I saw that somebody using something that I, I made, I'm like, what do you gotta be kidding me? Right. What you so,
0: describe that feeling? What's that feeling?
2: It was, uh, I don't know what exactly how to explain. it. I felt almost like I was scared because I started shaking. <laughs> with uh, it was a mix of excitement at the same time. I wanted to tell the person I I made that, and then and then I was thinking, no, they're not going to believe me. They, they, right, they, you're just a random dude. <laughs> so, uh, don't walk up to somebody and tell them, "Hey, I made that." It's uh, and so I was. It was a mix of excitement with. I don't know, it felt like fear almost.
0: Yeah. And it was un- unforgettable though. That's fascinating. Yeah. I love the I love hearing you talk about that moment. Because that's a yeah. big moment. That's like a real moment. You just that's that's as a performer, that's the feeling every time I get on stage. Right? Yeah. It's something similar and akin to that thing, which is what I've always been hungry for. It's a kind of exhilaration a kind of excitement like you're talking about, but there's so much fear in there too. And it's strange how much fear could be in there, even though you're just seeing someone with your, what was the product, by the way? Do you remember what it was? I do
2: remember. It was the um, uh, Bluetooth earbuds, the ones that go inside your ear. Yeah. Yes. Nice. Uh, Actually, I'm wearing wearing, uh, them right now.
0: (laughs) That's cool. That's awesome. (laughs) uh, That's one. I I love this. I love this, this journey. Here's, let me, can I share you guys a, couple notes of, of what yeah. i've taken down as, we've, as we've talked here okay um i loved this part it worked not because i was smart but because i was stubborn
2: <laughs> i love yeah.
0: that um this simple lesson of just uh asking for your wife for feedback right or customer conversations getting yep. out of your own head and into what the per- who the actual person who's going to be buying it like what they think of the thing. Just a big lesson there. This idea of there being waves that you kind of surf in products like this where there's, you know, like we were talking about the, the electric skateboards and you was talking about the Bluetooth headphones and there's things that have come and gone. That are no longer selling. That some people like made their whole thing. They if those if those sellers are still in business, which many are, they, it's because they got into other products. They rode other waves. They're catching other waves currently. Um, I love hearing you talk, Quinn, about how you always know the market before you jump in. You always like, you're, you're no, doing yeah. this research. You're knowing about the keywords. You're knowing about this little trick that you talked about where like I have this trick on Amazon where I'll go look at any product that I'm interested in. I always go look at the three star reviews. I find them to be the most enlightening. And I, and I, 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 like that's just a little trick. Everybody can take that home and go do that themselves. Just go look straight at the three star reviews. But you're talking about a software application that actually downloads all the reviews and then compares and contrasts the language between things, finds the most common keywords in the lower star reviews so that you can identify quickly without ever talking to anyone what the thing is to fix on this product if you're going to get into that market right that is just fascinating and then finally this point about the this this honest to god enthusiasm you have around building your own brand because as we've been talking i have to admit that there's a there's a like i wonder Are these sellers on Amazon going to kill these products off because they're just every, it's just like fly by the seat of your pants and it's just like cheaper is better and race to the bottom. Or are we going to slowly over time. Uh, learn like teach these manufacturers what we want from their products and they 're going to get better like we were talking about those Chinese brands like anchor and the lighting brand that you guys talked about right it's, it it 's interesting to watch these these brands actually develop over time and the thing that 's interesting and fascinating about a brand is that it can outlast you mm-hmm. right it can even outlast a product right so now we 're working with an identity that a consumer can be in a relationship with that actually goes Further than the relationship with the product. It's a fascinating place to be because there's a potential longevity in it. But your brand, well, that's a different conversation. It has to stand for things. It has to be uh, something that for some reason people are getting interested in. And I love that conversation. By the way, for more tips and tricks on business stuff, you guys got to get into Fizzle's roadmap. All right. It's free for five weeks fizzle.co slash try. Five to get into the roadmap where we're gonna you're gonna learn things like Aiden mentioned the customer conversations course will change your life defining your audience course this is all there's a bunch of stuff about looking into the market uh, and finding out who's really there and what are they really looking for and where is the opportunity for you that's like course number one or two on right. in the roadmap or something like that you're gonna find so many courses that are applicable to the things that we've been talking here and that's at fizzle.co/slash try five you get five weeks for free and then you know our hope obviously is that you stick around because why because you're literally on your own making your business <laughs> like you're just <laughs> by yourself pissing in the wind hoping not to get your pants too wet do you know what i'm saying like let me let i was gonna say hey, let me hold that for you i don't know <laughs> <Nope>. <laughs> point yourself this way young man <laughs> change direction that's um,
1: that's what we stand for
3: <laughs> corbett anything anything to to say in, in closing here no this was this was great. Uh, I guess the only the only other little tidbit I took out of this was um, how a lot of times when we're talking to freelancers or maybe even course creators and other things, we we talk about this. Uh, there's a race to the bottom that happens in most industries, right? And how or even wedding photographers, you know, people compete on price, and that means that you are uh, serving the customers for whom price is the thing that matters most, which is, A frustrating experience. And most freelancers, most wedding photographers, um, they end up learning eventually that it's a lot more enjoyable to move up the ladder a ways and serve customers that care about quality. Mm. And it sounds like the same thing is at work here even uh, when selling on Amazon. And of course, you can do both with different products. But if you're thinking about getting into Amazon, uh, or thinking about getting into selling products that you're having other people make, I would just encourage you to um, try to grow more sophisticated over time like you heard in Quinn's story so that you can get to that point where you're thinking about brands and you're thinking about packaging and you're thinking about having things designed yourself that can solve a problem in a way that the cheap crap out there can't.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah. Aiden,
3: any closing words here?
1: No. Right at that. You've got a, um, you've got a dovetail for us. That, is that is that correct? <laughs> I do. Okay. I do. I do a dovetail. Um, the process that Corbett just talked about uh, for for a freelancer for uh, for for any kind of kind of service provider or or product maker in that low quality, low price point, high competition um, kind of demanding client base also is what what happens at that level. But but the evolution that you talked about in the product. Life cycle, Corbett and how to kind of go higher up in quality. Um, the dovetail comes in where I believe that that's a really, really incredible way to begin to care more and more. Um, that the passion actually comes from um, from doing that. And you heard Quinn say it himself. You know, it was it was when he had uh, he had evolved and taken great care to build the brand and had pride in his brand, and then had that revelation that holy moly, if I will, um, that's my baby. Like, I care about that. That made me excited. It was terrifying. Uh, but that was because there was a lot of passion behind it um, or care, you know? And I think I think one of my, the last big takeaway that I had that I'll add is that um, a lot of folks think following your passion and building your dream business uh, is a result of being really, really clear and figuring it out before you start. Uh, But my experience and I I think the experience of many, many, many people is starting, pivoting, learning, failing, growing, succeeding, building something you care about. And then all of a sudden you're like, I won. I successfully overcame this and now I really care about it. So I think it can I think it can happen that way, too.
0: Mm, Interesting. I like that. That's good. Well, Quinn, we're so we're stoked that you're you were able to join us. Thank you so much for being here, Quinn. Oh,
2: thank you for having me. This is fantastic.
0: I love it. Okay, dear listener. You can find all the show notes for this episode at FizzleShow.co/slash-three-one-six. Okay, three-one-six. I've loved being in your ear holes. Oh my goodness, your ear holes are lovely. Don't you think so, Corbett? Doesn't this person make uh, nice ear holes? I could just put
3: a Bluetooth. Earbud right in there. <laughs> <laughs>
0: 997. Thank you for listening. Thanks for hanging out. Thanks for being someone who cares about the quality of your product, the quality of your uh, existential situation as well, the quality of your life and the sustainability of it over time. We are wishing you deep, deep satisfaction as you. Dig into the marrow of life and find out who the heck you are and uh, what you're doing here on this planet. We salute you. Find care, take care, serve hard, and dig in. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you next week on The Fizzle Show. Bye-bye.